Good morning, everyone. It is a joy and privilege to be with you again this morning. And as we begin, I'd like to tell you a story. A while ago, quite a long while ago, actually, I went on a retreat. And the planners of this retreat thought it would be a good idea that one of the activities would be to go paintballing. <laughs> this didn't sound like a good idea to me because it didn't sound very relaxing because it required exercise. <laughs> But I went along with it anyway, and as we were driving up to the paintball course, I began to grow very wary because this wasn't a course at all. It was just actual nature <laughs> with giant rocks and blackjacks and possibly a thousand snakes. <laughs> My apprehension grew even more when we walked into reception and received a gun and a pair of swimming goggles. <laughs> no padding, no overalls, no nothing. And then suddenly, he walked in. And I never got his name, but Rambo would be a good substitute. He looked like he had just walked off an actual battlefield. <laughs> He was completely kitted up, wearing camo, had this very expensive-looking bright yellow paintball gun and a backpack full of ammunition. And he began his speech. He said these words, This is my paintball course. course. <laughs> and I will shoot whoever I see, and I will keep on shooting until you lift up your gun and say, mercy. It was at that point that competitive Kali came to the party. <laughs> and so we went on to the paintball course, and by course, of course, I mean treacherous mountain. And within two minutes, everyone had dispersed suddenly. It's like we entered the set of Hunger Games. And I found myself completely alone. I was alone and inexperienced, and all of a sudden, Rambo was in front of me. <laughs> and he said these words. He said, say mercy. And I said, no. And he said, say mercy. And I was like, no. And he said, just do it. And I was like, it's never, ever going to happen. And he said, oh, well. And he began shooting. And the very moment, <laughs> the exact instant, one of those paintballs hit my leg, my arms shot straight up. Mercy, mercy, I said, because it hurt way more than I expected it to hurt. And this dude didn't stop shooting. He made me say mercy three more times, for one for every time I refused him before. Today, We are talking about something that is close to my heart, and that is the theme of God is merciful. What I found out from my paintballing experience is this. The moment our pain exceeds our pride, mercy often becomes our prayer. The moment our pain exceeds our pride, mercy often becomes our prayer. But much unlike my experience paintballing, we do not have to beg God for mercy. His mercy is not finite. It's not going to run out. 
His mercies, according to his word, are new every morning. Mercy isn't just something God gives us. It's part of his nature. He is merciful. In Luke 6.36, we read those words. God, your father, is merciful. He is a merciful God. Mercy is often defined as withholding punishment. When I was in youth, a very helpful distinction of mercy was this. They said, grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. But mercy is when you don't get something that you do deserve. So mercy happens when we are at fault, when we have messed up big time. But the person in position of power lets us get away with it without ever paying a price. And this general understanding of mercy comes from the Latin understanding of mercy, where the word literally means price paid. And we see this, this mercy as withholding punishment. We see this theme often throughout our scriptures. The canvas of our history is, is filled with vivid scenes of humanity and how we constantly mess up and how we constantly turn away from God and a God who is constant, a God who is true, a God who receives us every single time. In Deuteronomy 4, we read of this insistent lure that humanity seems to fight where we constantly serve man-made idols and we constantly turn away from our Father in disobedience. But we also read in Deuteronomy 4 of God's nature where the author describes that when we finally put down our idols and look to our God and seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. We will find him. And verse 31 tells us why. It says this, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. Our God is merciful And so even when we forget him, even when we insistently choose away from him, he is constant and he is steadfast and he is waiting to receive us back. Mercy is to withhold the punishment that we deserve. But here's the thing. According to the scriptures, it is so much more than just that. Scriptural understanding of mercy has to do with compassion. In fact, whenever the word merciful is used in scriptures, some translations of the Bible literally just use the word compassion. One of our readings for today is Luke 6, 36. And when I was initially beginning to prep, I opened my Bible and I was a bit confused at first because I knew the theme was God is merciful, but the verse in front of me was different. And so I started to think there must have been a misprint in the lectionary. 
Because Luke 6 verse 36 in the NLT version says your father is compassionate. And so I quickly looked for a different version of the scriptures and suddenly it said your father is merciful. And so I got curious and I began to study different scriptures where it speaks of God's mercy and God's merciful nature in both the Old and New Testaments, and I found the same theme. Some would say merciful, some would say compassionate. And the reason is because in both the Greek and the Hebrew, the word mercy has a root word, and I'm sure you can guess what it is. The root word is compassion. Compassion. Compassion is our ability to truly see the other and to truly see from the other's perspective, to see from the perspective of the accused, the oppressed, the hurting, the vulnerable. But more than just to see from their perspective, it is to understand their suffering and even to feel the pain that they feel. Compassion literally means to suffer together. It is when we feel the suffering of another to such an extent that we are moved to alleviate that suffering. And the moment we do, the moment we act to alleviate the suffering, is the moment compassion becomes mercy. Because mercy is what compassion looks like. Mercy is compassion in action. And so what this means is, is this, it means that God did not just overlook the sins and the crimes of the nature, nation of Israel for the sake of giving them a second shot, but he truly saw from their perspective, he truly felt what they could feel. He was able to look past their outward sin to the pain and the confusion and the fear they were feeling on the inside that caused them to sin. And he was moved with compassion to alleviate that pain. God, as a God of mercy, is a God who is full of compassion. God, as a God of mercy, is a God who truly sees us, a God who is truly aware of what we're going through, a God who understands our pain, and a God who will stop at nothing to alleviate that pain. God as a God of mercy is a compassionate God. And we see this definition of mercy come alive in the life of Jesus, don't we? Jesus being in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to use to his own advantage, but he humbled himself to the position of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He is God. <laughs> he is holy. 
He holds the entire universe in his hands, and yet he chose through his mercy to become man so that he could see what we see, so that he could walk where we walk, and so that he could feel what we feel because he is a God of mercy. It's in his very name. One of the names of Jesus is Son of Man and the English, Common English Bible has translated this name of Jesus as the human one. <laughs> Isn't that so beautiful? He is the human one. He is the one we can relate to. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. We know this as he hung on the cross and said those words, I thirst. He knows what it's like to feel tired. We have seen that vivid scene play in our mind's eye over and over again as he is walking up that hill and drops his cross. He knows what it's like to be angry as he drives out the money changers with a whip. He knows what it's like to be scared. We, we've seen this in his desperate plea in the garden. Father, if possible, take this cup from me. He is the human one, which means we worship a Jesus who we have deep solidarity with. We worship a Jesus who feels with us, who knows with us, who cries with us. We worship a Jesus that relates to us because he is compassionate and full of mercy. Recently in the media, there has been a news about the singing sensation Nightbird who passed away after a battle with cancer. Um, while she was still alive, she wrote a beautiful blog that just gave accounts to her life. And one time she was writing about her experience with pain and she was writing how one night when she was on the bathroom floor just crippled down with pain. And this was her experience. She writes this. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise and sunset. Call me bitter if you want, and that's fair. Count me among the cynical, the offended, the hardened, the angry. But count me also among the friends of God, for I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his exhale, laid in his shadow, squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I'm scared too, he said. He knows what we are going through. He is moved by what moves us because he is a God of mercy. And it's an incredible gift for a myriad of different reasons. And I've chosen just to focus on three. And the first reason why God as a merciful God is truly a gift to us is because of his mercy, we have access to healing. When Jesus sees our pain, he is moved to alleviate it because of the compassion that wells within his heart. We see this so clearly at Lazarus's gravesite. 
Jesus appears on the scene and sees Lazarus' sister Mary weeping and all the other mourners are wailing. And scripture says that he is moved and a deep anger wells up within him. And he is deeply troubled and then Jesus wept. I'm not sure if you've ever grasped the significance of this moment, but it means that we serve a God who is deeply troubled by our pain. A God who is angered by the situations that have caused our pain and a God that weeps with us. After this moment, Jesus is moved by compassion and acts in mercy and Lazarus lives to tell the story. A similar instance happened once when Jesus interrupts a funeral of a young boy. When he saw the mother in tears, scripture says that he is overwhelmed with compassion. And so he acts in mercy and he touches the coffin and the boy is restored. Another time in the Gospel of Matthew, scripture tells us that Jesus gets off a boat and is confronted with a huge crowd and he has compassion for them. So he acts in mercy and heals their sick. May you know this morning that because of our God's great compassion and because of his incredible mercy, we have access to healing because he sees our pain. He is moved by what moves us. He has accounted for every tear that we have ever cried and he keeps all of our tears in a jar. He is a merciful God who weeps beside the grave sites in our life. And because of his mercy, we have access to healing. The second reason that it is a gift is because of his mercy, we have access to forgiveness. Hebrews 2 verse 7 says this, Jesus was made fully human. He was made fully human in every way so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest and atone for the sins of the people. It was his mercy that led him to atone for the sins. We see mercy culminate in forgiveness all throughout Jesus' ministry. We see it as he knelt in the dust to write a message in the sand in close proximity to the stones that could become the weapons used in the woman caught in adultery's execution. But instead of pick up a stone, he chooses to forgive. He didn't judge the woman based on his predisposition towards adulterers, but he took a moment to first quiet himself, to truly see her, to feel the fear that she was feeling. And then he offered an alternative response to disobedience. Instead of punish, he chose to forgive. We see his mercy culminate in forgiveness when he kneels down another time in scripture. He kneels down to wash the feet of the man who would betray him for a few pieces of silver, all the while knowing what Judas was about to do. And we see it on the cross, don't we? 
as he's being nailed to that cross, instead of cry out in pain or lash out to the people who are causing his pain, he chooses to cry out to his father and pleads the case of his abusers. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. May we know this morning that our Father is able to see past our behavior to the pain or the ignorance or the fear that causes that behavior. And because of his mercy, he is moved to alleviate the pain of our shame. Because of his mercy, we have access to forgiveness. And lastly, because of his mercy, we have access to him. We are not worthy to gather up even the crumbs under his table, but because of his incredible, merciful nature, he has offered us a seat at his table as friends. We see this so clearly in the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Zacchaeus was despised by his community. He made his wealth and his riches of the poorest of the poor. By taking advantage of his community, he wasn't well liked. And one day when Jesus comes to town, a crowd quickly forms and Zacchaeus is a very short man. And so in order to get a glimpse of Jesus, he climbs a tree. As being someone who is quite vertically challenged herself, I will testify to the fact that an easier route to seeing something in front would be to politely ask the crowd to move and just stand in the front. Because as someone who is short, it's not very easy to climb trees because that requires reach, which we just don't have. But Zacchaeus chooses to climb a tree anyway. And perhaps that's because he wanted to see Jesus without being seen by the people who he had defrauded. Perhaps it's because he wanted to see Jesus without being seen by Jesus because of the shame he held. Whatever the reason, he climbs the tree, but Jesus does not pass him by. Jesus takes notice of him, and Jesus walks up to him and calls him by name, and instead of rebuke him, he invites himself for dinner, which may seem like a small, meaningless detail, but it carries so much significance. Because in Jewish culture, sharing a meal together symbolized accepting each other as family. And what's more than this, in the ancient world, there was one rule that governed times of war. And the rule was this, that whenever you shared a meal with your enemy, you were not allowed to cause any harm to them whatsoever. You were not allowed to kill them or do anything to them. And so when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to eat with you, what he's really saying is, hey Zacchaeus, <laughs> though you have positioned yourself as an enemy, I'm choosing to call you part of my family. And though I am all powerful, you are safe in my presence. And Zacchaeus' life was transformed that day. 
Because transformation is a consequence of coming nearer to, to Jesus. It's a consequence of being in his presence. Because in his presence there is fullness of joy. And in his presence there is perfect peace that passes understanding. And in his presence we have refuge and strength. Zacchaeus responded to the invitation. And he ate with Jesus that day. May we know that because of God's great mercy, we too have access to his presence. And because of his mercy, he has given us a very similar invitation. In Revelation 3 verse 20, we read, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you would just open the door, get this. (laughs) If you would open the door, I will come in and eat with you. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is saying, if you would just open the door and receive my mercy, I will come in and you will be part of my family and we will no longer be enemies and you will be safe in my presence. May we know this morning that whether it is healing or forgiveness or the transformation that comes from his presence that we are looking for, It is accessible because of his mercy. May we know that he is near and he is standing at the door of our hearts and he is knocking. And may we have the courage to open the door. May we not wait until our pain exceeds our pride before we let him in and receive his mercy. His mercy is on you every morning. His mercy is on you today. May we experience the mercy for God. Amen.